Hello, and welcome to Outside Inside Radio. I'm your host, Kathy Foley-Meyer, and I'm really happy today to be here with John Rodriguez, who works with the Prison Arts Collective. He's a writer and creative. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So how did you become involved with PAC? So I became involved with PAC, I believe it's 2000. 15 or 16. I first started when I was still incarcerated at Ironwood State Prison. Uh, during this mm-hmm. time, PAC was new there. They had brought over their facilitator training course, you know, to that specific prison. Although at the time, I didn't know what that was. I just knew that we had an outside group coming in to teach art-based programming. Uh, for me, this was really, really new. It was interesting, one, because I liked art. But I didn't necessarily know what they were going to do. Like, what could they teach us about art? When you said you liked art, what was your experience of art at that time? So my experience with art has been a little bit, it was a little bit wild. It's always been like up and down, kind of like a, a relationship with a sibling, you know? You're, mm-hmm. you're good terms at times, and then other times it just goes downhill. But um, at the time, I was really involved with writing, Um that's something that was like has always been close to me. And much of the writing that I did at the time was, you know, just self-personal writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout my time while I was incarcerated, I had a mentor who was my high school teacher who continued to, you know, stay in contact with me. And he was, I would call it like my writing coach. And so he would help me with, you know, giving me prompts, um, helping me with, you know, developing and kind of, I would say stretching out stories because uh, I'm a, like a very, I would say a very small writer, meaning like I can write like little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like what my realm of, of art was. But in the past, um, I also used to jump into like painting, um, drawing, a lot of drawing and doodling. Um, so that was kind of, you know, a little bit of everything about the arts. Okay. That's yeah. cool. So you're working with PAC now. What's your life like now in terms of your job? Sure. So my job now, um, working with the Prison Arts Collective, I am the program coordinator. Uh, what that means, uh, it's a bunch of things, but in a nutshell, I'll try to describe it, which is really just helping organize and either start or continue to have programs inside. Uh, whether they are multidisciplinary arts programs or facilitator training classes. Um, I work with faculty at certain campuses. I work with the prison staff. And I play kind of that middle piece to help, you know, get things going behind the scenes, like clearances, supplies, locations, timing, um, just, you know, the little details that usually go into starting something. Gotcha. Gotcha. So for you, what was the most surprising thing about being on the outside? And also as a writer, as a creative, if you had to compare the two. You mean from being inside to yeah. outside now? Yeah. Um, One thing is time, right? Perception of time. Um, And one thing I'm noticing is that I've been home for almost five years. Actually, it has been five years. I had my mm-hmm. anniversary sometime last month. Congratulations. But just to thank you. Uh, But just the, the notion of time, I think, yeah, you're incarcerated. Um, you, you think that you're like, you, you have the time in the world to write, but then, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're busy with self-help groups, jobs. And so you do find, you know, certain times, especially like around 
once count clears and it's 10 o'clock and the whole the, the, the dorm or the cell block kind of dies down and it's completely quiet and I would have time to write. But out here, um, things don't just shut off at a certain period of time. So I think uh, that has been a hard, it's been a hardship and has been tough, especially for me because I like to create this weird arena or scene where, um, where things are perfect. I have the time, I have whatever mm -hmm. I need, I have coffee. Uh, nothing's bothering me and I'm noticing that that is unrealistic um although in my head it sounds ideal and that's like the perception of what a writer is right um, but it's not realistic no that is the creative challenge you pretty much have to carve that space out and you I think sometimes we sort of romanticize in yes. our heads how we're going to do that yeah you know, um we we kind of set this time aside mentally but then when it's actually that time to do it there's always something that gets in the way so you just have to be sort of I don't want to say selfish but yeah uh, maybe maybe I do want to say that yeah you know well, that's how it's, seen. It's, it's not being selfish it's honestly just being kind to yourself and you know awarding um that time to yourself that you deserve um and so yeah. like I've been kind of shifting that a little bit which is even with like drawing, mm -hmm. I used to jump into a lot of realism and things have to be perfect and detailed. Um, and then a lot of that, I just been kind of breaking it and saying, you know what, I, I could just sketch and it doesn't have to be finished and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's all it was, it was supposed to be. And I've been shifting kind of that perception towards writing too, which is let me just scribble some thoughts down in a notebook, close it. And if I come back to it, great. And if I don't, then that's where it stays. Um, I, I've been a little bit kinder to myself that not everything has to be this grand thing that has to be finalized, polished, presented. Right. Um, that's kind of the thing I'm, the mold I'm trying to break right now. Yeah. How would you describe your style when you're drawing? Are you like a realist? Do you pick a subject and then draw it? Or are you kind of more abstract or? Um, a little bit of both. I think in the past, it was a lot of realism trying to recreate like pictures, photos, scenes, um, but now, um, a, a lot of doodling, um, but I'd say like more like caricature style. Mm -hmm. um, this is mixed in a lot with like the graffiti background that I really appreciated and had when I was growing up. Right. And so a lot of these things is like kind of abstract, like you breaking the realism out of what's there. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of things that I do begin to draw now are more so coming out of my head. Um, which is interesting because it kind of leaves that blank canvas where you're like, you know, I, I'm removing the, the guidelines and the structure for myself, which is challenging, um, as, you, as you may probably guess, because being accustomed to being told what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and when to do it, mm -hmm. um, and then slowly, you know, chipping at that and breaking that away. Yeah. So are there writers or other creative artists that you admire or take a page from? Um, well, for sure, like, uh, I'd say it's like a developing thing. But growing up, or at least while in prison, a lot of my, some of my biggest writers that really resonated with me were like Jimmy mm -hmm. Santiago Baca, um, Stephen King. What's your favorite Stephen um, King? My favorite Stephen King, that's a hard one. Um, goodness. When I was um, growing up, I read Salem's Lot. And it 
scared. Okay, that one was amazing. So I I love the uh, I, I love Salem's Lot. I would just kind of you know what the end piece was. Right. Right. right, like I, I had this idea, like oh, it's gonna be something greater and more grand at the end, and like this real right. big, you know, monstrosity of a creature or something. But it was just like very simple and subtle. So I like that he plays with writing. Um, that was something that I loved and appreciated. And then also reading uh, one of his memoirs, which was on yeah. writing, right, like the writing process and stuff. So that one really. Yeah, stuck I haven't. With me. I haven't read that. Um, I will say one of the things I liked about Salem's Lot was that he tracked the societal breakdown in the town when people stopped trusting each other and talking to each other mm. and it was really effectively portrayed. And I sort of feel like we're in that um, kind of period now. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, he sort of forecast kind of what we're going through. So yeah I, and and like that was like in prison that's like a lot of the stuff i read um just random offshoots too i think like carlos casinera which is mm -hmm. like a sociologist who got debunked it was hard to write about him because you know you're living them why do i want to write about something that i'm living um and right now to, to your question originally i thought well who wants to hear these stories who wants to dive into these mindsets um but I do also notice in retrospect now is like, hey, uh, a lot of these narratives aren't necessarily told. Right. Um, and, you know, experiences are different, although they may they may be similar in some sense to mm -hmm. other things that exist. But, yeah. No, that's cool. So the short story format is maybe something you'd like to work in, you think? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I'm currently working on, which is just compiling a bunch of old writings. Um that I wrote in there, and then also during my first years while out. Um, and I'm just trying to create something like, a, you know, a series of short stories mixed in with poems and whatnot. Yeah, because I feel like there's an entire audience for your work, you know, amongst the people that you used to be inside with, you know? Yeah, and the number one thing, though, is that I do not want to recreate some prison literature jargon. Ah, uh. Yeah. Uh, that where I feel there is really no substance in, um, because I know that prison and writing about prison or prison reform or any of those subjects are hot keywords. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to avoid just writing something in regard to that, just for the sake of writing it. Gotcha. Like to me, I wanted it to be something that's important and special to me. Yeah, actually, that leads me to ask because there are a lot of. Um television dramas and films about being on the inside um, that are popular. Orange is the New Black. I mean, that's obviously the women's side. Um, but what do you feel those types of shows get right? And what do you feel they don't quite get about being on the inside? Um, I'm torn about that. Um, I can... I'm sure you can only imagine what that feeling probably is. It's yeah. like on one side, you are getting some light shed onto these narratives and things that happen. Right. Um, which is great. Uh, that's what, ha that's what helps influence, you know, consciousness, um, hopefully pol political reform. Right. Um, but there's always this weird thing where even me, uh, nowadays, like uh, visiting institutions and sometimes speaking with the guys there, um, I haven't really visited any women's facilities yet, but reconnecting with them um, 
and this weird part of me like really feels like I am a part of that group. Mm -hmm. And then I take a step back and remind myself that I'm no longer strictly, you know, in the in the sense of being incarcerated, I'm no longer part of this community. Right. Um, so when you talk about the narratives and stories and things, you know, material being produced, um, in a weird way, uh, I feel like an outsider. Um, and then I feel like sometimes it steals from the intimacy um, that exists right. inside. Um, just because I know, like, from my experience, uh, there was something just magical that existed there with some of the folks that I was with. Right. Um, spending time with him, time with them, going through hardships with them. Right. Um, just really tough things. And for me, like, I, I sorry that this goes into like a weird narrative. No, no, but please. I, I noticed, like, for myself, I we're talking about these parallels of prison narrative and culture and ideas and just thoughts that come and originate from that place versus, you know, outsiders being able to kind of be part of that conversation. So when I came home, I just felt kind of lost in the beginning because I felt like I was trying to recreate and reestablish relationships, uh, things to do, um, conversations, just that, that were honest and true to that location and, right. and time and place and setting. And when I came home, I noticed that like, this is not the same. People are not engaged. People, not not in general, but for the most part, not everybody necessarily understands the hardships that we've been through. Right. Um, sometimes even using, you know, comedy as, as a way to kind of, you know, heal through trauma. Where we would encounter really horrible situations and we'll laugh through it. Um, people out here would look at me and be like, there's something wrong with you um so just using that right like uh i i felt like i had to take another step back and tell myself well you know hey these things that are existing out here right um are 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 not the same and so i shouldn't expect the same result right and that kind of helped me right that really helped me like you know separate categories in my head and say okay this belongs here, this belongs there. And so when we're talking about narratives being told about specific communities, I'm torn because on the one hand, like I believe that those experiences and those intimacies that exist in there belong to those people. Yes. Um, But I also fully understand the importance of, well, how are we going to break down these stigmas and these perceptions of these groups if we don't put the narratives out there? Exactly. Um, so that's yeah. that's where I'm torn. No, no, and I I feel that as a fellow creative person, when I watch, I think there are certain types of human connections that are place specific, and you know, temporal temporally specific. And I I get it when they try to, you know, as somebody who's part of a community that isn't always represented in a sort of true way. in entertainment. I I get that. Um, And so I'm often encouraged when I see, you know, people from my group making things that are sort of more accurate. But at the same time, you want to protect that space in a way. And um, there are times when you don't want to be observed, (laughs) you know, so, or you don't want to have those observations made public, maybe? So. Yeah, yeah. Something, you know, a little bit kind of of what I've meshed into as a writer, I kind of jumped into a bit, um, which to me helped 
make sense of this right now what you described is you know how, how do we protect and hold these things to a specific specific place in time and so for me jumping into theater performance art so it's for me it's really grabbing my writing you know um, transcribing it into a sense where I can perform it that has helped me because in that setting it was like there are no cameras there's no videography um whoever shows up shows up and they are part of they are a part of this and after this hey you, you you're very special to have been you know a piece of that and so that's one thing that I really like and appreciate it was like okay like it's okay to not have to record everything not have to document everything um that felt really really good because I think now just thinking about it now I think it reminded me of like well I can just show up right and we can we can be here yeah um that was special to me. No, no, that's really cool. That's one thing about performance art is that it can be pretty radical and in the moment. It's not like when you're doing a play. I mean, even when you're doing a play, you you know, the, the performance you give every night, even though you're saying the same words, it's not the same thing. But performance art can be just so many different, you know, there are people who yeah. do the kind of art where part of the performance is your reaction to what they're doing. So if they're kind of not really doing anything and you're in front of them and, you know, you're part of it in that way, that can be like they're feeding off your energy. Yeah. 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 No, that can be very, very cool. So I wanted to ask you um, in terms of shifting a little bit, going back to talking about your work right now, what's the most challenging part of your job? Thinking about it, I mean, it's not super challenging, just like looking at it um, from a bird's eye perspective, but sometimes it's kind of just the the slow process of getting things approved, um, getting the yeses, trying to make my schedule align with what the specific prisons need. And it's just like clearances, everything has to be approved. So Does that feel familiar from your time inside? <laughs> yeah, it does. So it's also like, like in some ways, you're uniquely skilled to navigate that kind of situation. Kind of. So I'll tell you what the what the setback is. Um, but so like inside, I, I didn't mind because I knew that that's what it was, right? So I knew that I had to ask for permission for everything, and that nothing was on my time. So there was no need for, to complain. There was no need to do anything. I mean, you could, right? But after a ser- after a moment in time, you just kind of get over it, and you're like, well expect nothing that way it makes it easier so then when things do happen um i'm not disappointed at every single step um so doing this now i'm understanding that some of the of the roadblocks that things happen on prisons that sometimes they may have to close um but the weird part like the setback for me is like have the ability to kind of follow up in in a, in a very kind and professional way follow up right and like hey we need to get these things moving um, because we are two entities that have agreed to run programming here. And so we, we, you know, this is what we have to do in order to establish it, establish that. So that's the hard part for me because I, in a sense, kind of carry, I mean, just breaking it down, carry a sense of authority in that manner. Um, and so it's very, it seems odd to me to work with an author- authoritative entity right, and kind of play that role, right? Which always feels super uncomfortable for me. Right, because um, you're an but, advocate. You're advocating <laughs> for people. On, yeah, you know, and and I know yeah. how it feels to be on the opposite end, exactly. right? So if anybody being told what to do, I, I usually shy away from it because I don't like to tell people what to do. Right. Um, but it's 
trying to find that middle ground somewhere. Yeah. Oh, believe me, there are like entire courses on you could probably <laughs> teach a course in management. <laughs> so on the flip side then, what's the most rewarding part of your job? The most rewarding, um, Honestly, it's, I'm pausing because uh, I went this past weekend on Friday to go visit Chukawala. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's just, it's so nice to hear and to see people like actually engage in art. Like, and not just art, it's really everything that kind of wraps around that idea, which is the conversations that they're having, um, the breakthroughs that they're having with themselves. Like one guy, I remember that he was creating a He's, he's working with the acrylics and he was kind of just drawing some lines. His peers were like going into these landscapes and drawing. One of them was like drawing a hummingbird. His just had like solid red lines all across. And I'm like, what happened? And then he's just like, well, I was trying this and it didn't work out. He's like, I'm not too sure how I feel about this right now. And I'm like, well, look, you're still trying it out. You're still pushing through. Who knows what these red lines might turn into? And then it's been like two months since I last seen him. And then I seen him this time. And he stuck with the class. Mm-hmm. And out of that painting of red marks, he ended up creating something out of it, which is really, really cool. It was like, it, it was more abstract, but he used those red lines and added some, you know, some symbols on top of it with some letters. And I would just say, it seemed really yeah. kind and nice to see him like, you know what, this makes sense. I don't have to create something grand or whatnot. Right. But the rewarding part is always... You know, especially when the, the reflection component, when people dive deep. Um, yeah. And that, that's not the expectation all the time. And it, it shouldn't happen. It's okay with if it doesn't happen every time. But when people begin to allow themselves to be open uh, to themselves, to their histories. And so, like, that to me plays a really, really big role because I know how damn hard that thing may be, right? Although yeah. it seems easy, sometimes it just, it takes so long and it just... It can happen anywhere and at any time, but yeah, to really reflect and do the introspection and, you know, dive to a deep moment in your history, personal history that sometimes, you know, you're scared to go back and revisit. I, exactly. To me, it's rewarding to see them jump in, yeah. to sometimes struggle, but also get through it. Um, yeah. No, I yeah. love that story about the red lines, you know, yeah. your art, it takes time. It doesn't come out fully done and it's not supposed to Mm -hmm. and and sticking with it that's part of your process that's you know you're basically developing your process kind of as you go along so Mm -hmm. and it's exciting to see that yeah so is somebody who was on the inside what advice this is something we ask all of our guests what advice would you give for getting your creative voice out from inside your head and onto the page, whether it's a writing page or a drawing page or something else? Um, uh, advice for me, probably the most important piece while inside uh, the practice that I somehow established was one, just not being afraid to revisit something that kept popping up into your head. And so for me, uh, a lot of that was, you know, moments in my childhood and growing up with my mother. Uh, there was a lot of things that I didn't want to revisit there. And mm-hmm. I noticed that I kept thinking about those things and I would shy away about writing from it, about writing about it. And then I noticed that like, well, what, if I keep thinking about it, there's probably a reason why I need to go back and revisit this. Right. And so I did that. And then I noticed that it would come up again. And so what I did is that revisited that same place, same time, 
you know, it, it was hard. I, I remember like just being honest, like sometimes just writing about, you know, certain like one situation where I, I didn't understand it, but it was like, right. why is my mom drinking at night? Right. Why is she playing these, these Mexican trumpets, you know, in the background with these, you know, Mexican banda going on? And I didn't know that like, hey, that was my mom's way of showing her hurt for my father who had passed away. Um, and so for me, it was hard to write about it, but I, I started approaching it differently, which is okay. Right. That's how I saw it then, you know, diving into it and seeing what was going on through me right there at that moment. And I just started writing. Then I would go back and say, how do I feel about that now? Write about it. I would then write from my mother's perspective, what was going on in her head, right? So it was right. just like, these different ways of seeing things, um, which my brain's taking me there um, and it hurts to write about it. And I get these knots in my throat every single time I write about it. But afterwards, like there was just this relief. Um, and so over time, I noticed that after a while, I was like, you know what? I kind of understand my mom and I, I can somehow let some of those things go. It's not removing accountability, but a lot of it was just, you know, being understanding of a situation. Right. Um, and that to me made wonders for me. The moment that happened, it was like, okay, that was probably the hardest thing I had to do. And right. then shifting it to the more minor things, which is like, it was a piece of cake. Um, not to say that it doesn't come with hardship. It doesn't make you like pull out your hair and whatnot, but hey, uh, um, if, if it comes up and it's tough, I'm sure the payout at the end is going to be so much, you know, so much better. So that's the advice I have. Wow. No, that's beautiful. And, you know, sometimes it's the format will change. If something keeps coming up and say you did some free writing about it and then you did a short story and then it comes up again and then you're like, well, maybe I need to do a theater piece. You know, yep. maybe these mm -hmm. are words that I need to have people, they're my words, but I need to hear somebody else say them in order yeah. to get the full you know, effect of what I'm trying to say. And that's how, you know, many plays are born. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, thank you for sharing that. Um, that was really beautiful. So just to close, do you have a favorite, like, writing exercise that you can share? Favorite writing exercise? Well, that, that's, that's like a super tough question to ask somebody who writes. Um, <laughs> I know. Because it's so hard, but one of my favorite ones, I'll share two, okay. um, just because the first one really, really helped. But the first one was, you know, write, writing about home. Mm -hmm. So uh, Whatever writing home means to you. Whatever home means to you. And one thing I, I would, you know, usually like folks to do is, you know, your home doesn't have to be a physical place. Mm -hmm. It could be a space that you've created inside your head. It could be a spiritual place. It could be a memory. It could be anything. Um, it could even be like a food or a specific item, clothing. Um, and then one, you know, begin to write, what is that? What does home look like? Right. Uh, what does it sound like? What are some of the smells that exist there? Um, what are some of the lines of dialogue, if you hear any, that are there? Um, anything of, of, of that nature. Um, and then the second one, which I haven't done in a long time, but this is called like life in reverse. Mm -hmm. um, it's from one of my mentors that he taught me how to do this, but it's starting off with what age you're currently at. Mm -hmm. And you're going to write either one line, a sentence, a word, or maybe you might go into a paragraph. But one thing that you remember from that specific year or age. So 
I'm 31, right? Mm -hmm. I would start off with 31 and move down to 30, um, then 29. And every time I've done this, it changes, right? I remember different really? things about each year. Yeah. Um, then later on, so you'll go all the way down to whatever time you can remember. Some people remember the first day they were born. Some people remember only at age six. Right. Um, but go all the way down and then choose, you know, one of them that you really want to flesh out and then see where that takes you. Wow. Yeah, that would be really hard for me. I'm at the age where you start to forget a lot. So. <laughs> but that's okay. You would write down, don't know what happened or I forgot, right? That's yeah. fine. But there's some ages that for sure you would remember. I remember oh, this yeah. year. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely have some of those memories. So well, yeah. thank you so much, John. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Kathy. It was nice to be on here. You've been listening to an episode of Outside Inside Radio, brought to you by the Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. We are based in the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University and have additional chapters at Cal Poly Humboldt and at three CSU campuses, San Bernardino, Fresno, and Fullerton. Prison Arts Collective is a project of California Arts and Corrections, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Outside Inside Productions are a way to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for another episode of Outside Inside Radio.